0: I think one of the questions that a lot of people ask is, why should I come to South by Southwest? And should I come to South by Southwest? And What I always tell people is it's really hard to find the right people. So events like this are a perfect place to bring the right people together.
1: Welcome to the Next Gen Banker Podcast, where we explore what's next in banking and talk with the innovators responsible for creating positive change in the financial sector. I'm Becca Heft, Chief Brand Officer at Sunrise Banks, and I am joined today by my colleague in crime, Brian Toft, our Chief Revenue Officer here at Sunrise Banks.
2: Thanks, Becca. Today is going to be a little different with this episode. Uh, No guest today, but we are going to be featuring some conversations that you had at South by Southwest in March.
1: And just a reminder, don't forget to check out our musical feature at the end of the podcast, uh, where Next Gen Banker features musicians from all over the world, all over genres. Be sure to check it out at the end of this episode.
2: Many people have probably heard of South by Southwest, uh, although most people probably think of it as a music festival. There's actually a uh, tech and more specifically fintech portion of the festival as well. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I know you and a couple other folks from Sunrise got to attend South by Southwest. So tell us a little bit about like, what is it like? Is it is there music? Is there technology? What's happening there?
1: Um, all of the above. I remember the first time... I went, and this was probably 2017, um, I went down to Austin, Texas. And so South by Southwest attracts, I think in 2019, attracted over 400,000 people who attend the conference and then the conference outside of the conference, so to speak. Um, but you're right. It is a convergence of technology, film, music, education, and culture, and Just to to like paint a picture, I remember the first time walking down Sixth Street, and all of a sudden, the street shut down, and there was an electric car rolling in a huge bubble, like a plastic bubble, down the street with a marching band. So imagine all your senses being ignited, and it's highly energized. It is... A very different conference, and not a traditional conference that um, we've all been been to in the past.
2: Yeah, a couple of the other attendees told me that they had a chance to create their own NFT at this. So this is really future focused. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and in fact, um, I think it was Jason Henricks from Alloy Labs and Provoke FM who's told me that you go to South by Southwest because that is where the future is. And it's futuristic from all aspects. So not only are there some uh, film debuts that are happening there, and so you have kind of that Hollywood side of stuff with film and music, but this is where the cutting edge technology companies are. This is where fintechs are. This is where venture capitalists are. And it's a really wide range. I mean, I met a lot of executives down there, but I also met a lot of founders and people who were really excited to be there and learn from each other and um, essentially make an impact. And I'm hoping we can talk a little bit more about that later too.
2: Yeah. And uh, you mentioned it a little bit. It's it's a traditional conference in some ways, but not in others. So they do have a conference center, but then What's outside of that? What what did you experience? Tell us. Do you have any stories about that?
1: Oh, yeah. So I I mentioned the car and the bubble and the marching band. So at the end of 6th Street, um, what I noticed is that brands were taking over different bars or different houses or different buildings. And it was very experiential. So, for example, there was a brand that had taken, it was Mashable, which is an internet uh, news brand, and they had taken over this unoccupied building and created an experience. So in one corner, you have puppies that you're petting, and the other corner, you're trying to you're seeing the latest technology to share communication. And then in the far corner, there was a Polynesian bar serving drinks. So it was very eclectic. And then um, this past year in 2022, it was interesting, of course, being after the pandemic, first in-person since the pandemic and seeing houses um, like the European Union taking over a very large building and with the Ukraine war and Russia recently occurring that they there are a lot of conversations about what can we do internationally? What can we do in the U.S.? So very focused in on using innovation and solutions. And then, like you said, there's you know, NFT companies were there. Ripple was there where I could get an avatar of myself and put myself as an NFT or non-fungible token out on the blockchain. So it's just like you have you buy a ticket to go to the actual conference sessions, but then there's these different panel discussions and different experiences outside of the actual conference center in these houses.
2: That's great. It's one thing to read about NFTs and read about Web3, and it's a whole another to actually get your own and experience it yourself. So maybe we should transition to the interviews. You had a chance to talk to some interesting people down there, and we're going to play a few interviews and then discuss what comments they had. Should we jump into the first one?
1: Yeah, let's do it. And just to give a preface, so we were walking around South by Southwest across the city, and We were talking to people as we met them, whether it was at fintech um, events or houses that had fintech startups there or fintech mid-sized companies. Um, We had talked to people on the street. So it was quite a myriad, um, but it was pretty exciting at the same time. So yeah, let's go ahead and start it. This first attendee is going to talk a little bit about why it's beneficial for those in the financial industry to check out South by Southwest. And here's what they had to say.
0: So I think one of the questions that pe- a lot of people ask is, why should I come to South by Southwest? And should I come to South by Southwest? And what I always tell people is it's really hard to find the right people. So events like this are a perfect place to bring the right people together. Very heavy on the VC side. Um, you get uh, some emerging fintechs, uh, some banks, I would say, in terms of fintech, and a lot of crypto. Right? So. That's where it definitely skews. Um, if you're looking to raise capital, this is a great place to come if you're a Fintech because you have a lot of people desperate to find the fintechs, and there aren't a ton of there's not a ton of uh, competition uh, in that sense.
2: So in that clip, he talked about finding the right people and connecting with others. When you were at South by Southwest, what kinds of people did you have a chance to meet, and uh, who were you connected with?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I was amazed. I First off, I tried out my new digital business card and I feel like I used it so many times and I filled up my paper card holder as well with just so many new people and not just from the U.S. Um, I was just looking at the South by Southwest stats and there's about 20 percent of attendees who are from outside of the U.S. So I was meeting people from all over the world. As this gentleman told me, there are a ton of veteran capitalists and a lot of fintechs and just a handful of banks. But it was really fun to be there as a bank because to hear all these great things on these great ideas and these great businesses, fintechs that were starting and what they were hoping to accomplish. It was very energizing. I don't know if you picked up some of the music in the background, but um, and the the crowds that were there. But it was just such an energizing few days in Texas.
2: I love that excitement. And when you talk about you know emerging fintechs and you talked about banks and and crypto. You know, there's all this all these things happening in fintech and financial services and it's probably one of the most exciting times to be a part of it and south by southwest just seems to enhance that.
1: Yeah, Brian, have you been to South by Southwest? I have not. But did I do I remember that you had friends who live in Austin. And so what from a local perspective, what's their uh what's their take? <laughs>
2: Yeah, like a lot of people uh, have friends in Austin. And the the funny thing about Austin, they say, is nobody's actually from Austin. Everybody's a transplant to Austin. But their take was they got out of town. It was such a big (laughs) conference and big event from the music to the tech to the film that they usually took vacations out of town at that time because it was very overwhelming.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was I have to admit it was overwhelming. But like I said, there's this certain vibe that. You're seeing the future and the possibility, like the window of possibility was opened. So another person we, I talked to at South by Southwest was this gentleman um, by the name of Shan Zabe, and he was from England. And Shan talked about his fintech and his work to make people financially healthier. And this is what Shan Zabe had to say.
2: Right, so networking with other like-minded individuals and really just trying to find ways to help Americans alleviate financial stress. And so my whole goal is just finding other people in similar situations and networking. And so, yeah, that's what's what I've been uh, really
0: thinking about.
1: And did I hear you are launching a new company very shortly?
0: Yes,
2: yes, so it's uh, called Stately Credit, and it's a financial wellness platform that specializes in providing affordable salary-linked loans as an employee benefit.
1: So Brian Chansey, you know, was talking about his new fintech and how he was using the employer channel, essentially, in order to provide credit. Have you seen this before, this concept of employer channel?
2: Yeah. In fact, David wrote about it in his book, Fintech for Good. Um, True Connect, which is a partner of Sunrise, uh, does offer employer channel small dollar loans. In the form of TrueConnect. there's no credit check uh, it's pre-payroll deducted, so as your payroll comes out, your loan gets paid. You don't have to do it yourself; it's taken care of for you. And there's an inherent sort of trust, I think, that an employee typically has with an employer. And so, you're if you're going to a third party to go and get a small dollar loan, you may not see some fees, you may not see part of the interest rate, you may not read the 30 pages of terms and conditions, but as we've seen trust is a big part of financial services and so generally people trust their employer otherwise they probably wouldn't be working there and so i i like that delivery channel of an employer and so what shanze was looking to do with stately credit uh, i think it's great for financial services and wellness the reality is a lot of people do live paycheck to paycheck and they have things that come up. The usual example is your car breaks down, you still need to get to work. So how are you going to get your car fixed so you can get to work? Um, I, I, I also think there's, there's other things happening in the, the employer channel. We're seeing credit builders, we're seeing earned wage access or other opportunities for people to borrow uh, money at a relatively low cost sometimes for hours they've already worked in that earned wage access um, concept. So I do like that channel of allowing your employer to offer as a benefit some financial services.
1: Yeah, and I know from whether it's True Connect or some of these other employer channel, fintech offerings, that the story, the customer stories that come out, are really powerful. I think you um, alluded to one around my car breaking down. I've heard stories around employees using this emergency fund for that. I've heard it being used um, because their health savings account isn't necessarily full if it's in the beginning or the middle of the year. So they use this, you know, products or type of product to be able to meet that immediate need without breaking the bank, so to speak. Do you see this? Do you do you think there's a trend here happening with employer channels? Do you think there's a future in that if you had a crystal ball?
2: Yeah, I think look at the great resignation. People are looking for reasons to work at a company besides just a paycheck. And companies are trying to figure out ways to offer benefits that are outside the norm from health insurance, dental insurance and and that's it. 401k so uh financial services could be one of those benefits along with a lot of other things so we're seeing i think a lot of employers start to look at those things say how can we keep our employees how can we create a culture and how can we help them to meet their needs just outside of work as well so i do think it's a trend and i do think employers are looking to do that Uh, and i think it's important that for people that are listening whether you're a banker or an entrepreneur that you should think about that for your employees and talk to your HR. Like, what are the options for additional benefits for where I work? Uh, Because there are a lot out there and um, they're relatively low cost and they're easily accessible and they can help a lot of people.
1: So one of the things, Brian, that you're alluding to reminds me of this next person who I talked to down in Texas around the power of fintech. So let's take a listen to this next interview.
3: It's an interesting question. Um, I feel like I'm in an insular bubble within an insular bubble. So we're here in South by, which is very well insulated in itself. And then with this little FinTech world that I find myself in. Um, but deep down, I understand that the power of FinTech can break those bubbles and create um, Unity can create, uh, you know, break down any barriers that exist out there, and that's sort of one of those things that uh, gets me excited about the power of fintech: is democratizing society, democratizing finance, democratizing wealth. And so that's something that, with all the macro events that we have going on, um, is quite relevant given sort of the mini cultural revolution we have here at the Lumineers event, within a cultural revolution, within a massive macro cultural revolution. <laughs> Um, And you have to be aware of that to really make an impact. You you can't just be in your own bubble, you have to put it into the broader perspective. So
4: So
1: this interview was done at um, the reference FinTech Lumineers, which is event, which is typically the second Saturday of March and it is hosted by Alloy Labs, um, which is out of Chicago. And so imagine 200 um, FinTech friends from across the world coming together And one of the things that I picked up on this was really, that that stuck with me was that democratization of finance. Brian, you work with fintechs every single day here at Sunrise. You talk with people from all over the world. You're learning about um, what the new trends are, um, where fintechs are succeeding. As Sunrise is that bank to move, store, and lend money for these fintechs. My question to you is, when you see a bank and then you see a fintech, how do you how do you see that democratization of finance or how do you see this financial equity gap being closed? Do you see this working in fintechs and how?
2: Well, partly it's because of our mission, but I think it's also true it's in fintechs as a whole. Fintechs are attracted to Sunrise because of our mission about improving financial wellness. Um, so a lot of fintechs, uh, that we talk to have that same mission in mind, but when you read about fin- financial technology in general, one of the reasons fintech has been such a disruptor is because they are trying to serve the un and underbanked, which is a mission that we've had for a long time, and we see that they can serve them better than a lot of banks can, and so that you're seeing disruption because people that are not traditionally in the banking system are gaining access to the banking system through fintechs because if you don't know out there, you know fintechs in order to store, move and lend money need a bank charter in the federal banking system. And so a lot of fintechs will partner with banks like Sunrise to do those three things, store, move and lend money. And so we're seeing fintechs being a disruptor, trying to go after those customers and clients that don't currently have access to the banking system and then you start to have that democratization of finance. Uh, and so it's pretty exciting to see that because we have a lot of good stories about that. And I, I can give you a couple of examples. Um, one of the fintechs we work with is called Mokify, mm-hmm. and, and Wole, the CEO of MocaFi, has been featured on this podcast. And they are committed to closing that wealth gap that you mentioned, Becca. And so an example is they will report your rent payments to a credit reporting agency to help improve your credit. So if you don't have if you don't have a home mortgage that goes on your credit, you could have your rent payments get reported. And so that's a tool to help improve credit for something that you're already doing today. Um another one is is uh is TrueLink. We work with TrueLink and, and TrueLink is interesting because they have developed this whole ecosystem around offerings to help meet needs of people that are caring for others. If those others are in recovery, maybe they have disabilities, maybe they're elderly, Um, TrueLink has a a niche where they can serve those caregivers better than anybody else. And that's what you're seeing is fintechs that found a niche that have a need, they need to be served um, better than what they're being served today. And we're seeing that play out over and over again, whether it's climate or credit builder or, you know, underbanked, whatever it might be. Those are the things that are happening. So, it's fun to be on the front lines of seeing that because it's really, really important, and it's going to save people a lot of money down the road, and it's going to help improve their lives. Um, very, uh, it's going to help improve their lives significantly.
1: So, let me ask you this: Do you think that fintechs are inherently? closing that financial equity gap like it it becomes it becomes possible because they're listening to the needs of the customer closer or do you think fintechs in general are more altruistic?
2: I think we've talked to some that are definitely altruistic. Um Fig Loans comes to mind, Financial Inclusion Group. I mean, they're very altruistic. And as we've seen at Sunrise, mission times margin. Have you said many times, Becca? You know, you get you the mission multiplies the margin, and vice versa. Then you have more margin to multiply your mission. Um, so I think some of it is altruism, but I think some of it also is just have seen that the traditional banking system has not served people well, and there's an opportunity there. So it's both. You know, I think there's a mission there to serve those folks that haven't been served very well. Um, but there's also a a mission there to improve people's lives. I think that's where that mission really does start to, uh, if that's a truly authentic mission, then that does start to kind of build upon itself.
1: So our last interview is with Vanessa from Silicon Valley Bank, and we asked her about what the next gen banker looks like. I think the next generation banker
3: looks just like a founder, You know, someone who really understands that experience. I think a lot of the infrastructure within financial institutions have been built by
1: people who aren't going to use the product. And so I have a startup background. Majority of my team either works at a VC or startup before joining the bank. And I think having that real world experience to understand what the customer, in this case founders
3: need. So I'm really excited to see where where fintech and innovation is going to go these next few
2: years. So, Becca, what do you think about what Vanessa said about what the next-gen banker looks like?
1: You know, I ended up speaking to Vanessa for quite some time, um, and this was only a very small part of the interview. But I think she's on to something because, you know, for someone who's grown up in banking and has had traditional banker type role. If we think about the future and how fintechs are being developed is that banking is not necessarily in the brick and mortar, but rather online or on your mobile phone, it does require something different. So like Vanessa, I have a startup background, and it really comes to number one, getting to know your customer, but you have to have that entrepreneurial spirit. And I think you and I chatted before, like I was a little thrown by the word founder, but it it made sense to me as I started to think about it, because a founder is someone who's creating something from the foundation. And it's using that number one entrepreneurial spirit. It's number two, being mission focused, while also number three, being innovative. And so i I think she's completely onto something. And as I look at the banks that are making strides, including Sunrise, these are the type of values that we're looking for in the next generation that we're hiring today.
2: So let me ask you this. Do you think that the next-gen banker has to have some sort of entrepreneurial spirit, as you call it, because, you know... There is a whole concept around regulation and banking and don't take too many risks uh, or you know, otherwise you can get into trouble, those kinds of things. Entrepreneurs are known to take risks and fail fast and those kinds of things. So is it okay for a banker to have an entrepreneurial spirit?
1: I think so. Absolutely. I mean, take a look at Sunrise Bank CEO, David Ryling. He is traveling the world finding the next thing, but he also has those checks and balances to be able to understand where you know, we're going to bump into regulation on different products and services. So you do need to have that balance because, frankly, whether you're a fintech or a bank, it is a regulated industry. Um, It's not something that um, you can just dream up and cross your fingers that it'll be okay because your regulator could be knocking on your door that evening. Um, At the same time, the innovation that comes out of entrepreneurial thinking is the future.
2: Well, thanks, Becca. And I have to say these were some really interesting interviews you did. Uh, We only got to hear some of them, but the diversity and the entrepreneurs that attended South by Southwest were just fascinating. So it sounds like you had a great time. And will you be going again next year?
1: I sure will. And you know what? You're coming with me.
2: Okay. I'll be there.
1: All right. Thank you all. Thanks. For this episode's musical feature, we're showcasing Michael Grunger. Michael Grunger, also known as Vishnu Das, is an American singer-songwriter, producer, music editor, author, and podcast host. He led the musical collective Gunger, which received multiple Grammy nominations. The group's music has been compared to that of Sufjan Stevens, Bon Iver, and Arcade Fire. Here is Michael's cover of Wanderama by Randy Stonehill.
4: Mr. Little and his paper boat says the painted sea Velvet curtains rise on cellophane skies and the tiny town scenery And the mayor and the duchess dance to the music box serenade while angels lie. Down the starlight promenade, but oh, since the tints of rain has ceased at home. Michael
1: Grunger covering Wonder Rama by Randy Stonehill. You can find more of Michael's music at www.gungormusic.com. Find Randy Stonehill's music at randystonehill.com. If you would like your music featured on the Next Gen Banker podcast, email David at nextgen-banker.com with a link to your music and website. Thanks for listening to the Next Gen Banker podcast. We'll see you next time.